Hey guys, and welcome to the next episode of the Shameless Fitness Podcast. So we have another Coach's Corner. The response to these has been mental because I think when Dallas and I first started trying to record these, we were kind of like, I'll do that as a joke and see what happens. Like this was such a last minute idea and a concept. And I was at the point of recording, we released an episode probably a week or two ago. At this stage, and it's probably like self number five in on the charts in Apple, and that's such a vanity metric. I am completely aware, but the support for those episodes has been mental, and the comments back to DMs, and people seem to latch onto them. So, as long as you guys are enjoying them and keep giving us the topics and keep doing the Q and As, and that's generally where we're getting the topics from from our clients and stuff. And I think today's. Like I know we the last coach's corner was heavily orientated towards the dieting element of things. Today's is a little bit more orientated towards a little bit of dieting. So we're going to be talking about the likes of loading and how to cope with that and the different types of loading. There's kind of an element of a little bit of advice for all women and um, that we can kind of bring in relation to kind of tracking your cycle then we're going to be talking about kind of like self-compassion to remove fear of failure so i'm going to go off on such a rant on that and then dallas is going to be talking about the aid the the old um the famous question of dealing with the question when people ask uh, through dm or anything like when client queries kind of come in and saying when will i see results because i think it is that's such an important question to be able to reframe and to kind of go from there but Stephen Dallas how are we sir <laughs> I'm way school again you are yeah I call him Stephen for the first episode in about six <laughs> episodes oh no, I'm doing good actually can't complain um, everything's going well you know assignments have been done on interesting aspects of the world and now going into another assignment on how we attach to individuals yeah, that'd be interesting because i think the stuff that you've 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 um been learning about like you sent me some of the stuff and some sent me some of the links and it's really really interesting for me to learn from why people do things like there's no behavior or anything that we do that isn't linked to something and it's fascinating like even just anything that we do and i put the psychology aspect of it is the part that i think a lot of people do forget when they are doing anything really whether it be work whether it be trying not to do anything or whatever it may be. But I think the first topic that we're going to be talking about today is how to kind of work around bloating and how to work with it, how to recognize it, what can we do to try and help it. And I think Dallas has a few points in this. I've got a few points on it, but I think Dallas is going to be kind of leading the charge with the, with the elements of bloating. So, Mr. Dallas? Chew. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) One of the biggest um, issues when it comes to people's bloating is the fact that most of people wolf it down. Now, I'm a person that loves wolfing food down. Like if you ask me to spend some really long time eating food, I'm going to be like, well, leave me alone. I'm not going to eat food. But when it comes to the point when you start actually being a bit more mindful and understanding of what the food you're, you're eating, but slow that process down a bit and start actually chewing, you start actually activating more enzymes in the mouth, which is in part of digestion. And then as it gets into the intestines, because it's smaller particles, it's got a greater surface area, they can be broken down a bit easier, which often leads to less gas or fermentation within the gut. And this is the biggest thing. It's when you're going to start this process, think about that aspect. And a lot of times, and I know you've been in the same situation when we're like, how quickly are you eating the food? Are you just inhaling it? And then we've been like, there as well. Like, yeah. Oh, like, 
watch me eat ice cream watch me eat watch eat, eat with Dallas and he's eyeing up your portion while you're still eating yep and I'm going like hmm how much do I have to slow down so that I can match the person's speed and are they looking you need to go and rewind I think <laughs> yeah uh, 100% but from that aspect I'm glad I don't suffer from blow but the one part that comes from it is definitely chewing. And that's the one thing that a lot of people do need to kind of focus on a bit more. It's like if you can start increasing the amount of chews per mouthful, you're going to start seeing a drastic reduce in the amount of gas you have. And it's like when we look at it from a research perspective, you're looking from 20 to 40 bites or chews per mouthful. Now, if you have never tried this before, it's going to be a really aspect because you go and they go no home 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 and you're like how many do i have left and you're like oh that's four crap i still need to get to 20 and you're like what on earth and the time you get to 20 you realize in different flavors from your food because there is more uh, breakdown of the carbs and then you get this kind of weird sweetish taste coming from uh, your carbs in your mouth so it's an interesting aspect but you notice that the time you finish your food there's a mindful aspect to it, but there's also a fullness aspect to it because you've given your time or should I say you've given your body sufficient time to catch up and send the signals for satiation. Perfect. So that's the first step I highly recommend everybody take. Anything to push on for that one? I think it's important. Like the sciencey word is one that someone's going to miss here and have a good chocolate, which is mastication. Yeah. I, think it's, I think it's also important to say like there is a difference between bloating and water retention and that's a huge aspect as well like bloating is when your belly feels kind of swollen after eating as normally just due to kind of like a buildup of gas production and disturbances in the actual gut which which Dallas spoke about and it's kind of like that discomfort of feeling blur it's kind of like the Christmas dinner feel that mm-hmm. a lot of people can get and Christmas dinner is awesome um but I think bloating is not the same as water retention I think a lot of people don't realize how common it is to be bloated. Like 16 to 30% of people report bloating on a regular, regular basis. So it is really, really common. And there are other um, kind of conditions and medical conditions that bloating kind of brings in, like the lens of, likes of endometriosis, the likes of PCOS, that there are many, many different ailments like Crohn's and stuff that can have an impact on it too it's most often caused by something in the diet. Sometimes it's mostly common in foods or ingredients that you are potentially tolerant to. Like I know some of my clients have certain herbs or spices that that can trigger it and they feel bloated. Like it's just very uncomfortable. It's very hard. It's very uncomfortable. And it's very, it's it's not a nice sensation. I think we all do it. Um, and like one of the things that can happen sometimes is eating too much at, at one time. So if you're, if you haven't eaten regular meals throughout the day, or you have only had a breakfast, you skipped your lunch because you had a busy day or whatever, and you're coming to your dinner and you're, you're really hungry, you could end up kind of like having a lot of food at that time. And then your body and your brain are kind of like, oh, what the hell's happening in your body? You'll feel stuffed very quickly. You'll have bigger meals. While if you broke it down into smaller meals, and that's one of the things that I'm working with a few of the clients, especially with those with PCOS, is having smaller meals rather than trying to aim for the three main meals so that they don't get that discomfort. Because if if, if you get that discomfort, which will be another topic we'll talk about. It's compassion element kind of comes back into it. I'm so excited for that topic. I can't wait. Um, <laughs> it's also important to kind of bring in kind of the elements of food allergies can be an element of it, but the only way to get a food allergy diagnosed is to go and get a, 
I kind of work with a dietitian on kind of like a FODMAP, which is a bringing out the food, like a food FODMAP intolerance test, which is restricting a food and bringing it back in slowly and getting that analyzed. Don't get prick tests. Don't get kind of any IgGs or whatever it may be. Like don't self-diagnose a lactose or fructose or eggs or wheat or gluten. Better off just going to someone or a dietitian that will which will help you on that side of things. Chewing gum can be an elephant as well. Um, it's an interesting one because like it is very I find it myself with chewing gum yeah where, where for myself I'm a person that if you give me chewing gum and I'll be like there and I'm like five minutes late I'm like I'm hungry like I'm revved for hunger but then when if I eat something after it then I feel awkward. yeah I find with chewing gum that it can cause quite a, a blowing thing because it's kind of like there's certain sugars in it that like polyols and stuff that they kind of like they add up into my stomach and I'm the same with like a, a normal coke but I'm diet coke I'm fine mm. um, which is interesting but if you're kind of drinking through a straw or you're having chewing gum and you're just kind of necking the drink down it's going to get trapped there and that's when the, like, the fizzy drinks and stuff there's nothing wrong with those but that can definitely contribute to it oh yeah 100% I also think like some people should technically pay a little bit more attention to the fruits and food that they actually eat and the quantities because I think the biggest thing people want to do is like oh, look, it's this fruit that was a problem or this veg that was a problem. And you're like, how do you know it wasn't just the sheer amount of quantity you ate? Yeah, and I think a lot of people will blame a food group for something when potentially it's just like I I had, I got a DM earlier and they were kind of like about kind of like blaming carbohydrates. That carbohydrates make them bloated. So I was like, is it carbohydrates or is how is your, your, are you eating really quickly? And they're like, I'm really eating really quickly. So it's not the carbohydrates. Yeah. They're like, the pasta or whatever may be uh, causing bloating, and and that's that's completely understandable uh, for some people. But then just switch to whole grain. Whole grain has more fiber in it. It's not going to be as hard to digest, and it's better for your your digestion anyway. But there's nothing wrong with white carbs at all. Mm. But it's 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 important to say to yourself, right? Are there certain foods like if you keep? That's why you sometimes tracking. And I don't even mean tracking your food. I mean like tracking and keeping a food diary and be kind of recognize are you having the same foods all the time and that's why i have the same foods all the time in relation to i know what foods are going to trigger me so i know the likes of cream and yogurt and cheese and certain spices will trigger me so i know that just kind of reduce them or stay away from them as much as possible but if you know a certain food is going to kind of like like onions or garlic or cauliflower broccoli is a huge one for those with endometriosis uh, pears apples too many apples is one thing that kind of coming in through dms as well and it's we it's it could be it could be a combination of stress being mindful of like the sugar alcohols um i think it's, it's usually it could also be a digestion thing and a lot of people don't really constipation can be a massive element of it yep. and if you're not if you're getting constipated particularly for around i think it's like 30 percent. i think it's 30 percent I'm going to say 30%. Uh, 30% of girls can get um, constipated around this time of the month. Yeah. And I think it's important to, the only way for you to get your new cycle is to get rid of the old estrogen. And the only way to get rid of the old estrogen is to poo it out. So it's really, really important for those two weeks coming up to your cycle that your fiber, your water, your stress management, those side of things are, are, are on point. Mm-hmm. I would kind of aim for, 
those elements rather than kind of just reaching for an element of a probiotic for a lot of people. Probiotics can be useful, but there's no point in just taking a generic probiotic. Probiotics need to be tailored to you if you have something else going on. Um, And I think that's, you could also rule out a doctor or whatever it may be, but the likes, are there any remedies that you think, is there anything that can help around certain times of the month or any remedies that you have to manage to kind of so-called beat the bloat? Bar chewing there, another one would obviously be prescription drugs, which... Yeah, that's a stress around the body, yeah. Yeah, by that aspect, like any form of prescription drugs is going to give you some form of aspect of stress, and that could be another issue. Um, Lowering stress as well is another aspect. Um, One of them as well, which is interesting, is peppermint oil, (laughs) which is (laughs) an interesting aspect as well because people wouldn't actually think much about it. However, what it does is relaxes the muscle within the intestines. Um, which is a nice cool thing about that, which often helps with that bloating effect. Now, a lot of IBS patients end up using forms of peppermint, peppermint, peppermint oil to... Peppermint. Uh, that's a sound bite. Yeah, come on out. But it is funny in terms of it that often you would see they would use it to try and help reduce the amount of gas they get as well as kind of some of the severity of pain from um, the IBS symptoms. Yeah, I think it's 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 important to kind of like there's an awful lot of information there. So if you are suffering with kind of bloating and stuff, water definitely has a massive impact on kind of reducing any bloating because it can kind of flush out whatever is causing the problem, um, especially if it's a food thing. And it's important to kind of be recognized that at certain times of the month it can also happen, um, and it's it, it's normal for it to happen. But I think when 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 people are getting the likes of bloating and stuff or PMS and uh, the likes of that, it, there's something else going on internally, whether it be like, if you think of PMS like a tree, it's important to get to the root cause of it through the likes of kind of stress or lack of sleep, or is yeah. there something going on or there's something else hormonally going on and all that sort of thing. So I think it's, it's, it is super, super important to recognize the difference between bloating and water retention. And, and some girls will be more prone to it than others, depending on various different factors. So there's no one size that fits all. It's a lot of playing around. But if you know that there's certain trigger foods that are there for you and you, you don't really react well to them, well, then I would probably try to reduce them as much as possible. Try not to self-diagnose yourself with celiac disease or lactose intolerance. Yeah. Go to a dietitian and do the FODMAP diet, the elimination food diet, and bring it back in. Um, but I think it's the mastication thing for most people or the chewing um, is is probably where I would start with most people. It's the unsexy stuff, again, that that we don't really do. Mm. Um, we always jump to, oh, we've read an article, I've looked at Wikipedia, or I've looked at, looked at WebMD, and it's kind of like, no, it's, yeah. it, there's something else happening. And I think that's another aspect, like you're talking, a lot of people end up trying to do that aspect. And it's like, also, don't just suddenly jump into elimination diet. Like you see a lot of people doing, I've eliminated all these things from my diet. And you're like, eh, oh, are you yeah, you're a zombie. Yeah. And you're like, what, what, what are you, why are you doing this? And you're like, do you have energy? And the person's like, no, I feel trained and sleep is not great. And training hasn't been good. And you're like, well, did you just eliminate everything from your diet? Well, like, yeah, because everything gave me symptoms. And then it's like, then you bring the whole aspect back going to the doctor saying everything I touch is sore and then realizing it's your finger that's broken. It's like, what are you doing here? 
But one thing I forgot to mention on the peppermint oil, there's often two things you can buy when you get peppermint oil. Uh, make sure it's got a coating to allow it to get into the intestine. Otherwise, the stomach acid will break it down. So that is one thing I would recommend that when looking at peppermint oil, if you're going down that aspect, that you need to have like the pills that allow it to go into the intestine. So it's basically just got a, a covering on the, on the pill that allows it to travel to intestine. Otherwise, it'll be degraded by the stomach. You might get a little bit of acid reflux with that. So you might start belching a little bit with the likes of peppermint oil. I know for myself from having used the likes of copperman and stuff like that before, it can give you a little bit of an acid reflux. Um, so just being prepared yeah. for that. And that can also happen with omega-3 tablets as well. That if you're... It's the funniest one. Everyone's like, oh, it's so fishy. And you're like, <laughs> you know yeah. fine. Then you at least know the reason. Uh, from that aspect, I know we were talking a bit about PMS and everything. I know you want to talk a little bit about forms of tracking and like Shane's getting extremely excited here. He's like, hey, everybody, look at me. Yeah, this is where, yeah, I've got like, I think the next two topics, I think we've got like the tracking element and the self-compassion thing. And I know Dallas has an element of self-compassion towards things as well. I think tracking is so, so, so important for girls with regular cycles. I think it's so, so important for you now to, to kind of like the simp, like there's so many different elements to it. There's so many different benefits of it. It can allow you to understand the unique patterns that are going on in your cycle in relation to when does, how long is your period for one? Is it a regular 28 day? But most people don't have a 28 day cycle. It's sometimes 26, could be 20, 30, it could be 32. It could be longer if you have PCOS or endometriosis or anything like that. So it's important to realize that you need to notice the trends that are happening and you'll notice trends that are happening in regards to mood, energy, that side of things. And some of the things that you can use are like the likes of apps like Clue, uh, Kindara, uh, and then an old school pen and paper. But the likes of Clue, so I know some apps that are out there, they sell the information to certain companies and, and, and in order to facilitate what they know, what people are doing, like everything. But Clue don't sell the information to those pharmaceutical companies. No, so it's good. really important for that. So Clue, Kindara and Pen and Paper are the three that, there are other ones on the market. I'm not affiliated to any of them, but they're the three that, I, that come off the top of my head. The other thing that is, if you're trying to conceive, you'll know when you're fertile. Because as Ashley O'Kelly, uh, AOK Nutrition, when she was on the podcast, is if you don't know when you're fertile, you may as well be riding a door. So I was like, I was like, it's poetic, and it's so like it. It generally takes twelve months to get pregnant, three months to try and then come off the pill if you're on the pill, plus the generally the nine months of having the baby and um, all that kind of stuff. So you need to understand that the days leading up to your ovulation when pregnancy is possible, because if you're just, if you're trying to get pregnant and you're doing it outside these windows, you're not going to get pregnant. So it's important to know when someone is in those kind of fertile window as the, the term kind of talks about. And this, this lasts about six days, uh, the, the five days leading up to the ovulation and 24 days, uh, 24 hours, sorry, 25 days will be a bit aggressive. 24 day, four, 24 hours after ovulation has occurred. Um, and the greatest chance of conception is probably being the two days before ovulation. So, but that's going to be very, very, very different for every single person. And that's why it's important to track. It will increase your awareness of how you feel and your overall health. You'll know when your body's at war, you know, when your body's playing ball, you know, when you train, you know, when not to train. Tracking and logging these different things will allow you to understand your body. You have to understand your body because you can't 
have the control over yourself and expect someone else to understand you if you don't understand you. So if you're with your partner, like you could have that chat with your partner and say, right, I'm, this is the time for me that I may not be in the most amazing headspace so that, 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 that your partner knows not to poke the bear or not to annoy you. <laughs> uh, it would also tell you about, a lot about your sex drive. Um, there are different times of the month where girls can get a little bit more um, sexual activity, a bit more sex drive through either masturbation or through um, sex with their partner, whatever it may be. Uh, so Clue can definitely help with that. You can understand and manage your mood through like the PMS and mood swings. It, PMS, or Clue has, uh, you, Clue can track your kind of like your mood and how you feel productive, happy, sad, exhausted, uh, and the many other things that kind of bring into it. But I think this links in with the element of the self-compassion. So those apps, again, where Clue can Dara, and then the other thing was a pen and paper, but there are other ones out there. Mm. Um, but the self-compassion thing, I read something recently, um, and it's by, I think it's by a page on Instagram called like Red School or Red Dot School, I think. I think they're over in Scandinavia or something. And they came up with an, uh, an interesting ideology of, if you think of your cycle, like the, the the seasons of the year so you've got spring autumn winter and summer and at those various different times if you think about it now so like we had dark months for 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 winter people's moods were down energy was down there wasn't much happening and then summer you're amazing you're feeling amazing spring things are starting to lighten up and autumn things are getting a little bit changed you're going back towards the darker times it's the same thing if you think about your cycle that time i ran that way that it's the exact same ideology. So charting this could be huge, getting to know your mood, your hunger. So I'll go through the, the relevant seasons and how to match it up with what you're achieving because every single girl is going to be so, so different. So generally, I'll start off with spring. So spring is roughly five day five to seven until day 12 to 13 of your cycle. Okay. So it's also called the follicular phase. Because I can see Dallas like, what is he modding this up to? Yeah, I'm like, wait. <laughs> okay, now I get it. Now I get it. It's a follicular phase. So it starts just before your period and lasts for about seven to 10 days, depending on the actual cycle that you have. So that brings in, you need to track. Um, so during this time, the follicles in your ovaries that contain your eggs start to mature. And then your energy levels tend to gradually rise. And there may be a general upbeat feeling in there. You generally have peace and happy, happy vibe around this time. And spring is kind of like an element of where you start to get excited with new projects. This mm-hmm. is where you kind of, you, you're more, more creative, you're brainstorming. If you're in any way, you're problem solving and you're, you're in great headspace. So that's generally your spring. Then you've got your summer, which is roughly day 13 to 21, depending on your cycle length or the ovulation phase and only lasts for two or three days. All right. So this is the shortest phase and this is generally where, uh, the part of your cycle where your right follicle bursts into releasing an egg during the next day or so. Your energy levels, however, continue to rise to their peak during summer and you'll often feel full of confidence. Feel like Beyonce, as the phrase that they use in the book, because your estrogen levels are increasing. So you'll feel a little bit more like Beyonce and Sasha Fierce will come out. Uh, learn to go with the flow during ovulation time. Trust your instincts, your gut feelings, let things happen. I'll be a little bit more chill vibes. Uh, this phase may be also great for you to... This phase, this phase may not be so great for you either once you kind of move into the likes of perimenopause as the estrogen will drop. Yeah. And that's generally where things can, and postnatal moms might have this as well. It's important to the mood, things changing, body is changing, there's a lot of stuff going on. 
you've got to ask yourself and notice little things and phrase things like like what are you liking what are you not liking what are you noticing about yourself your mood everything like that then you've got the autumn so you've got autumn is roughly day 21 to around day 28 of a regular cycle or what a regular cycle is or what they say in the books the textbook regular cycle some people may have longer some people have made shorter this is initially that the follicle gets released the egg starts to produce progesterone which stimulates the growth, the growth of the lining of the womb and readiness for pregnancy. Um, and then estrogen levels are slightly, uh, estrogen levels rise slightly in preparation for pregnancy. However, there is no pregnancy, estrogen and progesterone levels then fall, causing the womb's lining to shed during the next phase. Um, and then, but it's, it's, there's a there's a little bit of kind of negative in kind of the autumn in that during the first half of autumn, as progesterone levels rise, you start to feel like winding down after the high energy of summer so you feel a little bit more lethargic this is where we can experience kind of the likes of pms uh crave a little bit more comfort foods yeah. this is where you can feel a little bit more unbalanced a little bit ungrounded mood swings uh, but it's not all bad news in relation to that you can track this and say how do you experience around this what are, are you being sound to yourself are you more hungry more cravings are you more training energy or are you fatigued from training energy knowing when to push your training and the last one is winter is coming. Um, <laughs> sorry. Oh, brilliant. This is when the bleeder menstruation actually happens. Winter is coming. Uh, lasts between roughly three to seven days um, for some women. And day one of your cycle is actually the first day of your bleed. Uh, so as your progesterone levels falls, you shed the lining of your womb and you bleed. And as you'll be at the lowest here for some girls, and it could be at its highest for some girls. Some people will be very, very different. You may be a little bit more introverted, maybe become a little bit more recluse. You will be a little bit more thinking around things or potentially overthinking and reflecting on things around this time. Mm-hmm. If you get cramps or headaches and stuff, you could also use like hot water bottles or like a yoga class or just be saying to yourself and just go for a walk. It's shown to kind of go for exercise or just for some sort of exercise to relieve the, the, the symptoms and stuff. It's really important around this time to know that this is not the time to take on new projects. This is the time not to have in your calendar of going hell for leather at work if you can manage that. Um, it's also important to voice this to your partner around this time. So what I mean by, I'm going to loop back to what I've been rabbiting on about is about tracking your cycle. But if you start to monitor those certain feelings and so align it with those certain seasons, mm-hmm. You can note the changes in you, note changes in your mood when you're more productive, when you can spot change in how you feel, spot a change in hunger and cravings. By logging this, you will have a bigger understanding of how you feel and how you want to feel. It'll allow you and your partner to know when to try and conceive if you want to go down that route. You'll know when you can train more, you know you can train better. So start a, a, a diary if you're doing it by pen and paper and log it in and say, are you noticing a trend? So maybe log it for three or four cycles mm-hmm. and you can notice a trend. Is there something more stressful coming in at a certain time? Is there something that we need to tweak and not do in that certain week? of kind of winter or the week of or whatever it may be. But yeah. those seasons are going to be different for every single girl in that they're going to fall at different times. And it's important to match them up to you and you'll know when you're in each one. So hopefully that makes sense. I'm not just talking through my arse. No, no, it doesn't make sense. I do want to backtrack though and say like with the sheddings of the blood and everything, and since you were going in, uh, you know, winter is coming, are we going to link the shedding to falling off the wall? Oh, we're going proper Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> it's a curious you know we're going proper game of thrones so if anyone hasn't watched game of thrones spoiler alert <laughs> whoops um but yeah i think it's 
I, when I when I read it, I was kind of I was fascinated by it. I, I, it's an ideology that I think can match up um, and can help people picture a little bit better and how to understand. Because when I when I read it, I was like, this makes so much more sense. Yeah. I've said it to a few clients since, and they're like, well, first of all, they started pissing themselves laughing when I said the East, the the but the Eastern right levels rising and Beyonce coming out, and there are a lot of gifts of uh, Beyonce walking and. Uh, the, the fireball book on behind her. Um, but I think it's important to kind of have an understanding of that and knowing when to push and knowing when to have that kind of self-compassion and empathy towards yourself mm-hmm. and knowing when you are going to be more productive. And I think the tracking thing is one of those tools that when we have the initial consultations, I think to us is the same. It, it not, not a lot of girls do it. Uh, I don't know if it, if it's just out of, choice or whatever it may be and there's no problem in not doing it but i'd say if you're struggling you have been struggling with with elements of the cycle and elements of that of pms and stuff it could be beneficial to start doing it so the apps again are clue kindara and then a all good old-fashioned pen and paper i think this also then leads nice and tightly into the whole self-compassion because like a lot of us are going to be going through the moods now obviously men have their own moods but predominantly we're talking about women here and how they kind of deal with themselves and deal with the moods so with the self-compassion how does that link into everything so i think with self-compassion i think it's important to understand what self-compassion is because i think when people hear the word self-compassion they're like oh that's going to be all witchcraft voodoo monk stoicism all that kind of stuff and that's not really what it is Self-compassion is the kind of a rough definition is involves understanding and treating yourself like you would treat others. Mm. That's the quickest and simplest form and term I can bring it in. We have to acknowledge that life is not going to be perfect. If you think of life like a heart rate monitor, it's going to go up, it's going to be down, it's going to be stable. We just have to understand how to cope at those different certain times. If we think that it's going to be a straight line, you're setting yourself up for failure. And I think that's a huge element that when people are doing anything with work, um, with love life, with dieting or fitness, fitness, we go into things or a lot of people can go into things. And I've been there, but that we just think it's going to be a straight line. And then you get annoyed when things don't go right. Yeah. But if you can change things and change your perspective and expect failures, expect setbacks, I know it's a negative lens to kind of go through but it's also setting yourself up for a realistic approach to what you're going to do. Like we can't always rely on motivation. You're, if you're making motivation out of self-compassion, this will help you more than relying on motivation out of a place of critical self-talk. If you're going in to say, I hate myself, I don't like how I look, I don't like how I feel, that's not a place of good thoughts, good vibes. That's out of, you need to address what's internal. Mm. The, no amount of weight loss, will make you feel content in yourself. No amount of body composition or whatever it may be will help long-term. There's something going on inside and it's having that self-compassion. So there's three main elements of it. I know I screenshotted you the notes yesterday. You're like, that's a great synopsis. Um, so there's three main elements. There's self-kindness, there's common humanity, and there's mindfulness. So with the self-kindness, is kind of being sound to ourselves. It's the simplest and most Irish and generic thing I can think of as saying being sound to yourself. It's when we fail or suffer, it's, it's, it's kind of, we will fail. It's kind of about addressing that, that like, if we fail, what am I going to do? If this doesn't work out, what am I going to do? 
it allows us to fail but not beating yourself up and kind of saying to yourself like being analytical and saying why didn't that work out yeah. it's like when you are running a business or whatever it may be and you launch a program and you're expecting 10 people to sign up but you've never launched a program before and only three people sign up you're setting yourself up for failure and that you think 10 people are going to sign up nobody knows who you are i've been there when i first started i was like doing Q&As or and I'd be like, nothing comes back. I'm not going to lie. I made up the questions as in there were questions coming from my clients and I made up the questions so for, to look like a certain way to social media. Um, but ne- and now it's fortunate that I'll put up the majority of the questions that kind of come in. Mm-hmm. It's also like saying to yourself, right, if I've had like Paddy's Day and stuff has happened and Easter is coming up and if you've had too many drinks the night before, that isn't a failure. It's how you view that. Like, did you make an occasion out of it? Were you present? Where did you, did you have fun with your partner or whoever it may be? Yeah. Why not try to win the next day and say, right, that was, that was, that was booked in for me. I needed me time. I needed that. But it's, as we spoke about on the previous episode with the drink, it's about drinking for the right reason. It's not drinking to blunt anything. It's about saying to yourself, right, I, I want to have a drink because of this. But if you're going into the drinking element of it, go back and listen to that episode. You have to like, don't just drink to, to, to nullify something, but you can win the next day. It's don't view it as a failure, but you can win your breakfast. You can win your lunch. Do you can, find people struggle with this self kindness? Yeah, and, I, and I'd be guilty of it too. And I'm sure you found that from working with myself for a last little while. Like if I'm tired, my self kindness kind of goes through the drops through. And sometimes even like it's manic where things are at the minute with the business, the podcast, all that kind of stuff. And the relationship with uh, with those around me and who I want to have relationships with, if you know what I mean. And they're very, very high on my list of priorities at the minute. And when I'm tired, the self-compassion, the wording that I use, I recognize it. And Dallas will always say, you're tired, go eat something or whatever it may be. But I, and it's hard to... If you're not, if you also sometimes need for someone to say it to you, yeah. like, why are you so hard on yourself? Why are you doing this? Look at what you've achieved in X amount of time. And sometimes it needs that element um, of, of things to kind of happen. Because I think I was talking to my dad recently and he was kind of, kind of, kind of sat down with him for a coffee and he was kind of saying, what you've achieved in three years is mental. Like I was a little bit skeptical of when you went into the fitness and I was going to support you. I was never going to say it. But you needed to get this out of your system. Did I ever think it was going to be this way? No. Did I ever think you were going to get other coaches on? No. But you've proven that when you want to do something that in the right direction, you can do anything you put your mind to. And that was probably the first time ever that I was kind of like, okay, there's an element of right. Not that I needed his, um, what's what's the word? Kind of like um, his opinion on it or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. But it was also nice to hear it that is going in the right direction. And that kind of almost clicked something in my head that was kind of like, right, things are going in the right direction because it's someone that's in my circle and they can see the graph that's been put in. And it's nice sometimes to get the acknowledgement, but you also need to give yourself the acknowledgement of what you've done. Mm. How do you find yourself then getting on on track with the self-kindness on it in a sense when you're not using an external force? Um, so I use the internal force of using the journal on a daily basis. So I always kind of like on my journal, it would say, 
I'll always on the beginning of each day, I'll say, what is my goal for the day? And then at the end of the evening, I'll say, like, what did I win? What brought me closer to my goal? And some days I won't go towards closer to the goal, but it's saying, what, and one of the questions is, what could have worked better today too? Why didn't it work? And it's about saying, right, well, potentially I just needed a nap. And that could be a simple thing of like, yesterday I wasn't feeling amazing mentally. I'm still struggling from the, after the surgery, but I know myself that I can't train right now. Mm. But if I know and have it written down in black and white, seeing it in black and white reaffirms it. And over time that will build up, that new muscle will build up, build up, build up. But I know that my, when I'm toughest on myself is when I haven't slept yeah. or I'm feeling tired. And I think that's when the negative headspace can kind of come in for a lot of people. Mm. Um, yeah, you, you definitely do, like uh, touched on a topic there, like positive affirmations. But some people feel that, like it's the same with kind of the compassion thing. It's, some people find it wishy-washy. They're like, oh, PA, something kind of like, I, I, PA, positive affirmations at the end of every day changed how I see things. Mm. Does it happen in one year? No. Did it happen in two years? No. It's like anything. And there, there will be days it falls back in. I'm sure you're the same. Oh, yeah. Like, but I think it's a lot of people don't realize, like, from a, a research base, like, um, being a little bit more pessimistic to outcomes, um, having more about self-compassion and having a few, um, some positive affirmation often allows people to get through divorces, often allows them to get through guilt, allows them to go through traumatic experiences, allows us to take the woes of life. And we've got enough research to show this aspect. It's because we're now able to put what has occurred on one side, and then we've got to look at ourselves and that we can put ourselves above whatever is occurring and understand that we need to take the time for ourselves to get us to the necessary position so we can carry on. And it's like a lot of people feel that positive affirmations and self-compassion, it's all wishy-washy, it's for wimps, you're not strong enough, I'm weak, I've got to kind of push on through. And it's like, that's not what self-compassion is there for. It's trying to understand who you as a human being, what you need to get you to be a better person, to be a better person to everybody else, but also to help you deal with life stresses. And I think a lot of people like, I have to, you know, struggle alone. Because, you know, that's how it's going to be. I've got to push through as hard as I can. It's like, that's not self-compassion. It's like, yes, some aspects in life are going to need a bit of a strong bow. But you can't neglect yourself in the process. I think that brings in the next element of, of, of self-compassion is kind of common humanity in that everyone makes mistakes. In that one day off plan, whatever that plan is, if you're on a diet, and one day doesn't go according to plan when the next meal it's as simple as that like you have a choice ultimately of do you want like i was talking to clients beforehand and they're like you make it sound so simple i'm like it is if you want to do it exactly um but that's but we, all, we, all, we all have these dates we're all like we all have like nights where you've had like overindulged or whatever yeah. but it's about saying to yourself, right, maybe I just needed that. Maybe I just needed that kind of chill time. Maybe I just needed that one day off plan. Maybe I just needed that weekend off. Maybe I just like, it, it just was there. But we have to understand that suffering is universal and no one is immune. It's how we cope with what's going on. Like there's the book by Viktor Frankl, Yes to Life. He talks about the meaning of life is suffering. Yeah. It's a bit grim, but like it's a phenomenal book. 
it gives clarity. It, it's what brings life to the forefront of what it can be. Because what we, what we don't realize, if there's no pain and suffering, there's no good in life either. And, and this is the biggest thing people don't understand. It's like if you're living at a constant mellowness, nothing changes. There, there is no spontaneity in the world. There's no amazement in the world. And funny enough, I, um, you sent a gif of Star Trek Next Generation. <laughs> one of the episodes that actually go to a planet where they're permanently just one height. Like, that's it. There's no up, there's no down. And it's just like, and the people are realizing, like, how, how does one actually enjoy life like this? There is, there is no bliss. There, there is no love of anything. There's nothing. So all the things that we actually truly enjoy about life and all the things that excite us go away when you take away any form of suffering. But I think it's also, like, we have to look at the highs and the lows. It's not always about looking and learning lessons from the lows. It's also about embracing the highs and what went well and using the feedback there as well. Yeah. Like, I don't think enough people celebrate their highs. They're like, and one of the common ones is like, oh, I'm going to get to a certain level of body fat. Or I'm going to get to a certain weight. And then you get there like, oh, I want more. But why not embrace what you've done? Like, yeah. it's all be happy when syndrome. And I think, I think the one, the, one of the common things I heard recently, or one of the stories I heard recently was when Germany won the World Cup, Mario Goetze scored the winner. And he had that seven, seven seconds of epiphany of scoring the winner in the World Cup final, which is a lot of people grow up and, and, and dream of. But then he spent the rest of his career trying to get to that height again and wrecked his career because he could never get it again. Yep. But if you're expecting to be happy at a certain element, it's like it's chasing the adornment and the, the kind of the dopamine hit of the constant reward system. And it's human nature to be like, I get there, what's next? I get there, what's next? And that's not a bad thing. That's human nature. We get to somewhere, we want something afterwards. We've had our dinner. We want ice cream. I want ice cream. I want another ice cream. (laughs) I really like ice cream. I think it brings into the mindfulness, which is the third aspect of uh, self-compassion. It's about observing your thoughts. It's about observing your feelings and being not judgmental on yourself and that comes back in with the whole ideology of tracking your cycle knowing when you're going to be saying to yourself knowing when you could be a little bit more kind of like harder on yourself and and i and looking at that when are you more tired or stressed are you being saying to yourself around then it's also bringing an element of you all you like you you don't always have to act on a feeling yeah so one element of that would be hunger you don't always have to act on hunger. You don't always have to kind of say, right, I'm hungry, so I'm going to go and eat. Yeah. I don't necessarily think as a, as a first world country, we understand what hunger, true hunger is. No. Well, there are people who are predisposed to the whole no links to their brain with hunger and stuff like that. But 99.9% of us do not have that. Yeah. And sometimes it's like it's not hunger it's an emotion it's a stress it's anger it's loneliness Mm. and sometimes you could be better off and sitting there with your feelings but people are gonna be like listen to this and say right that's easier said than done it's like it's not easy no it's not easy we can't always be doing something that we have to look a little bit inwards to make progress progress forward and outward sometimes it's better off just sitting there 
with no music, no nothing. And you'll find that when that happens, the thoughts that come into your head are really what are inward and what, what direction you want to go. And Tahas just nodding. I like the Churchill dog. <laughs> <laughs> you pretty much. <laughs> um, but I think a lot of people are afraid. What have you, how have you found that from your own perspective, one, and how from coaching a perspective? Home perspective? I, I happen to be one of the few people that can just go for a walk and like let my brain wander. It, annoy, it annoys the life out of me. It really does. Yeah, and it, it's the same for me. If it's like my ability to cope with a lot of life stresses just comes from me doing what I do on a daily basis and then acknowledging and going, hey, this is not conducive to me enjoying my life. This is not conducive to me doing anything in life. If the more I stay in this position, am I getting close to goals? Am I getting better? Am I enjoying my life? No. And then there's the switch of cool that's it. I've accepted what's occurring and then I move on. Whether I'm walking, whether I'm chatting with somebody, all these things are going in the background like any other person processing it. So it's when I do things like that and you explain that to other people, they're like, but I can't do that. And I wait, I know. So it's like when it comes to other people, it's actually trying to, as you were saying, sit down there and actually ruminate on some of these thoughts. But people always start with the bad thoughts. Yeah. They're like, they're afraid to... When a bad thought, so when people think of meditation or journaling, they're like, oh, there's going to be no bad thoughts. If you, li- if you listen to like Jay Shetty or anything like that, when they talk about like the Buddhist teachings and stuff, they're not having no thoughts. Yeah. Their thoughts are coming in, but they're not latching on to what's coming in. They're letting it go in and back out. People would think of meditations like, oh, I've done it for two months. Why am I not the Buddha yet? That's not how it works. <laughs> Things are all your brain is always going to have some sort of message to your to to bring in from something from deep down that you haven't addressed, but you have to address what's internal in order to progress yourself long term. Because there's no point in you saying I'm going to be a certain weight or a certain body size or whatever it may be if you haven't really addressed the internal messages and signals that are going on. Because mm-hmm. if you're internally looking at things from a negative lens, it's very difficult for yourself to get past that point you'll only get to a point and that will frustrate you more and then that's going to take a backward step and sometimes a backward step is needed like i know from my own time of when i had my massive mental health i had to have an awful lot of like self-kindness humanity towards myself and a lot of mindfulness but i didn't realize at the time that's what i was doing Mm. but sometimes when you're in that negative headspace it's very hard to get the shit colored glasses off to turn them into rose tinted glasses, which Paul Moore talks about an awful lot. I think there's an interesting aspect on there, which is like a lot of researchers and certain like people in terms of the kind of mental health aspect we'll talk about in terms of expanding your view in a, when you're in a position of a terrible kind of, depression anxiety or outlook on life and that expansion of your view often changes the way you see the world now one of the biggest aspects that we can do that is travel now clearly we can't travel i know unfortunate but it is still can be done surprisingly through art and this is what a lot of people don't get the more thought-provoking an art piece can be and the more it actually pulls you into that and it starts allowing you to create this internal thought or that internal dialogue that makes you question things. And art has been used from the beginning of time 
to share information and teach. It is also allows us to actually understand what is occurring and actually can, in some instances, heal us. And I'll put that in, in uh, quotation marks because it actually questions everything that we know. And it's like when you're going through that aspect and you see that thought-provoking art, you often see that some of those issues you often had are seen in a different light. And that was all you needed. I think there's a reason why coloring books are paint by numbers. All that kind of stuff has skyrocketed through lockdowns. Yeah. Because it's... Coloring books. Yeah, coloring books um, are, are huge. And the likes of jigsaws because they're visual and it allows you to be a little bit more still a little bit more less distracted yes you may have a podcast on and uh, the shane walsh fitness podcast on the background obviously um or you may be just chilling out and being present with it but you're still kind of you're you're getting stuff going on in your head your, your your stuff is coming in and then you'd be like no this is this isn't conducive but you're being present to where you are. And I think a lot of people struggle with the present side of things mm-hmm. in that they don't really want to address what's going on. But if you can address in any way what has happened mm-hmm. in relation to the human side of things, not expecting everything to be perfect, yep. not expecting you not to fail, because mm-hmm. the only thing that I can guarantee is if you don't do something, yep. you're not going to go anywhere. Oh, yeah. But I've learned, I've made so many mistakes that you guys don't see on the business. I've invested in certain things you don't see. I haven't shared them because Instagram and social media is a highlight reel. I'm not going to share my mistakes. I'm not going to share those Mm. because they're not what's going to get any, they're not, people aren't going to learn off those or that's not the type of content that I want to put out anyway. But I think it's important for me to say, right, what have I learned from the the positives? What have I learned from positive um, times or conversations that I've had with people? What have I learned from the mistakes? What have I learned? Because we all make mistakes. Everyone makes mistakes. One day off plan, you shouldn't be on a plan anyway. Mm. But it's, you can't be off plan if you're never on a plan. Oh, yeah. Um, And it's about saying, right, well, I had Paddy's day. What did I do the next day? Oh, I just sat in bed in the dark and cuddle teddy bear there's nothing wrong with that but as long as the teddy bear is fluffy exactly but you have to say to yourself maybe you just needed that oh yeah i agree Um, but if you're going into it and then beating yourself up that's going in to the next day with the wrong attitude Mm. you're about to say no maybe i just needed to have that little bit extra ice cream maybe i just needed to have because we're all emotional leaders. When people hear the word emotional, or the term emotional leaders, they automatically assume it's a negative connotation. They, when when someone hears you have ice cream every day, you're like, that's weird. But if you think of an um, emotional eating, like what are birthdays? What are anniversaries? They're emotional times. And you're eating a little bit more. You're having a little bit more drink. And that's an emotional time. But yet you're attacking, you're attaching a negative connotation to what you're doing. And then that vicious circle will will happen. Yes, there are times when people can be eating their feelings and all that kind of stuff. But if you can tweak the lens, the language, and it's not going to, like, you're not going to change that overnight. You're not going to just kind of click this button. It's the exact same with kind of like the mindfulness stuff. 
it it will take time and it's about saying right what what has worked what hasn't worked mm. and people are always reluctant to do the journaling side of things oh, and yeah. i don't I don't, and I don't ram journaling down any of my clients throats by the way but i always encourage it as the first point of call but then you're like oh i can't turn off my head and i'm like but what have you tried and it's just like oh i just let them be and i'm like but what if you write them down on a piece of paper you're getting them out of your head and then you can say right is this a fact or is this an opinion? Have I created this problem or is this actually happening? Yeah. Did someone say something to me? Why did it trigger me? And address the things that are going out. If you write it in black and white, it's like that art thing. You're getting it out. You're doing some action to put it onto a piece of paper, which is almost therapeutic itself. But it's, there's so many different elements of self-compassion. It, it's, it's huge. Like the main elements are self-kindness, common humanity and mindfulness again. But like you could have at least a million. It could do a whole podcast on on self compassion on itself. Like, yeah. but I think like as well as like touching a little bit on that kind of you know coloured tainted glass idea. It's we often forget about our early experiences as children. Yeah, and think about like as what I employ every single person listen to this. Take some time to close your eyes and actually try and remember some of the times when you were a child doing things and running around, rolling down a hill, jumping off things, all these aspects. And just imagine that. Those were the times where you were in the present and you were in the now and you were doing what was necessary to heal you, necessary to give you what life was, necessary to enjoy life and take everything as it. There were still ups, there were still downs, but you were present. As time went on, you started chipping away at that ability. So take some time to go back and kind of re-engage in that present, be there, be here, be now. Like Ram Das has amazing teachings on all that uh, ability to be in the presence, but it's also just look at things from more of a child view and incorporate some of those aspects and you'll notice how you actually feel more invigorated, how you've got a better outlook in life because you're no longer sitting there with your thoughts, just letting them roam around your head and every so often you click at it and then you're like, oh, that doesn't feel too good. So get out there, make that change. Yeah, I think also another aspect of like being a kid and stuff, you you weren't afraid of doing things. You would just jump across the bridge or you jump across the pond or whatever it may be. You'd go and do things. And I think sometimes we can embrace the inner child a little bit more compared to what we do now and and kind of go for things a little bit more and not caring what other people think. Not like I got asked a question earlier on a podcast and one of the questions was, what was the biggest change for you when you started the podcast? And the biggest change was, well, that sentence by Brian Keane of like, stop caring what other people think. And, but also realizing that it, the people who I was trying to impress were never going to buy off me. Yep. It was going to be the people that I could impact on a daily basis, not the people who are other PTs. There's nothing wrong with PTs. And um, I know there's a lot of PTs that listen to it, but I have a couple of PT clients and stuff, but they're not making up the vast majority of the clientele and team SWF, they're making up a small amount and I'm very grateful for them being on board. Mm. But I'm not ultimately doing what I'm doing to improve, impress people. It's trying to make one sentence that we've said, one nugget of what we said in every single episode. And it's funny what comes back 
in DMs that people pick up on different things. Like Natalie has just sent me over two DMs that she got about the podcast she had. Mm. And it's they're both very different messages. They latched onto different elements of it, but the same sentiment was attached. Yeah. And that makes what I'm doing, having kindness, the bringing the humanity element of it and having the mindfulness for people to say, right, observing their thoughts, actually addressing feelings that have been going on for a while have not been suppressed. Mm. And that makes this a meaningful thing to do on a regular basis. Yeah, it's, it's that aspect if you want to make a change in people's lives and you want to make your life in a better position, go do something for somebody else, but don't tell any single person about it. And it's important to bounce ideas to yourself, one, write them down, sleep on them for a couple of days, and then if it's not a fuck yeah, it's a fuck no. And also, would you ask, with the, with the person you're asking the advice of, would you swap places with them? Yeah. Too many cooks. If you ask four different people, they're going to write different things, but they're going to push their, how you say, they're going to push their insecurities about certain things onto you. And then that's going to make you doubt yourself even more. If you have a business question, ask someone who's successful business. If you have marriage situations or whatever going on, don't ask the person who's been in divorce five times. (laughs) But like, I think... They're very good at giving you advice on how to get a divorce. Exactly. I've got a good lawyer. Um, I haven't been divorced five times, by the way. I just want to put that on the record. Um, I think the last, like that, that, that whole element of self-compassion, I know that was a big element that we wanted to talk about. I didn't think it was going to be that long of content on it. But I think the last question, I think if PTs might find this bit useful, clients and people might find this bit useful. And I think Dallas this is going to be therapy for Dallas in that it's kind of like dealing with the question of when will I see results? Because it's a very common question. It's coming up more and more and certain elements of self-compassion comes into it. Exactly. But it, it, the most irking point about it is that no one takes anything into account of how long do they get to the position they're in. They didn't take into account what mood I am, what is my external environment, what is my internal environment, how do I feel? All these things they don't take into account and then go, hey, I'm going to do this in two weeks. It's like you are not getting anything done in two weeks if everything is not aligned. And not always saying that every single aspect has to be aligned, but it, it's like you've got to look at it from the whole. I'm like, if you're looking to lose weight and you'd spend 20 years putting that weight on, do you honestly think that it's going to take you 30 days to lose 20 years worth of overeating? No, it's not going to happen. And there's nothing in the world that we can do to people for liposuction. They would have to do it over a period of time as well. So it's like, we need to reframe this whole aspect. I want things quick. I want them fast and I want them cheap. And those are the three things everybody goes for. It drives me nuts, but it also, it is very context dependent. It, yeah. it, it really is. And I like a lot of people don't want to recognize that where you've started from is going to be a hard aspect to work from. So if you've had years of emotional eating, that's something we need to work on first. So that means results could vary from, you know, three months of seeing a bit of weight loss to it could take years to come off. 
your internal behaviors, how you talk to yourself, self-compassion, starts playing a big role in this. How hard are you willing to train? How much food are you eating? What is your stress like? It's There are so many factors that come into this aspect that people often forget to think about. It's like when the same thing, if you look and you go like, if you were 20 years old today and you were told, when are you going to die? You'd be like, I don't know. It's like, exactly. You can go like, if, I, if I've if i got a bunch of string in my pocket, how long is it? Oh, I don't know. There we go. It, it's rolling on those aspects and trying to realize that we can factor in for many of these aspects and giving you a timeline is never going to be accurate to begin with. I think another element that kind of, there's a few elements that kind of, and Dallas hit the nail on the head with what he said. I think the psychology side of things, the physiology side of things are two of the main elements that I don't think people realize or want to address. And that's something that we want to work on and we do work on with our clients on a daily basis is the element of the psychology side of things, but staying in our lane on certain elements. And we, I have no problem in referring people out to different mental health providers. And that's something that I don't think enough coaches do. Um, stay in the lane. And I know Larry Doyle is huge on that. Um, and it's, it's a certain element that I don't think a lot of people are ready to hear the tough love no. when it comes to, right. I, they've gone for, as you said, low cost options. So there's nothing just like cost isn't co- co- money is a, is a very, very big topic at the minute. And that's understandable. It's what's happening. And it always is a big topic. And it's important to kind of understand that people are going through different times and genuinely people may not be able to afford certain elements, but there are also different options at different prices and different price points. And it's about potentially shopping around and actually having a chat with the actual coach um, and not just going for the quickest fix because the quickest fix isn't going to work with you on your mental aspect. It's not, here's a six week ab blast and I'm 30, 30 kg overweight. That's not going to address the other, the other stuff. Um, and I think that's, that's what a lot of people just buy into. It's like, well, I'm not really prepared to potentially work for X amount of time or 12, 16, 20 weeks a year on myself, but you're prepared to just buy a six week program to fix a short hit. You're looking for that dopamine hit and then wonder why you're back to the same place afterwards. Like it's, you you've touched on that cost it's not just money but it's time it's what does it mean for you as a person so what is the positive and what is the negative and it's like you need to weigh these options up and that's cost there's it's not just a money aspect it's like what does it mean to you and your mental health what does it mean to you and your physiological health and once you answer those questions you will start noticing a path you go down will take you closer and closer to getting where you need to go and that's where the results come from. But it's not from just going, I want a quick fix because it doesn't fix anything. It doesn't come from just saying, hey, I'm going to jump into the deep end. That's not going to help. Or going, I'm going to do as much cardio as I can, as much training as I can, and include 20,000 steps. It's not going to get you good results any quicker. Then if you've negated all the aspects of stress and work life, relationship life, what about the stress response from food? What about the stress response from everything you go through? I'm like, 
You've got an environment that is set up to create you, to trigger you, to buy things. You've got an environment that triggers inflammation in a sense. It also triggers you anxiety aspects. It triggers so many other aspects. And then the simple thing is, but I want it now. You want it now, but I, when you get there, you won't be able to cope with what you have. It's like, I'll compare it to the lotto winners. When they think they want all the money in the world and they get all the money in the world, the majority of them go bankrupt. They don't know how to cope with it. They don't know what to do. They don't know how to deal with the emotions. They don't know how to deal with the, the, the new fame or whatever it may be, the abundance of what they've had. They don't know how to cope with the emotions. It's not underlying. It's not addressing the underlying stuff that's going on, that they've had like feast or famine mode. Yeah. They potentially haven't come from a background where there's been an abundance of money. And that's something against the people who have won the lottery. Some people have come from very big backgrounds, but the vast majority of people who won the lottery haven't come from uh, haven't come from an abundance of, of 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 kind of wealth and stuff like that. And I think when clients are like asking that question, you like we have to understand from a coach's side of view is we have to understand that they failed before on certain things and we, but we need to know why they have failed and when the pointing the finger thing happens that's when red markers and red flags come up oh the coach did this coach did this yes the coach has a certain element of it yeah 100% and I I have no problem in saying I'm not a certain fit for a certain style of coach for a certain type of client I have no problem in saying that some people don't like the holistic mindfulness kind of balanced approach or the, the the no BS approach, depending on what, how I'm feeling and, and that side of things. And I know Dallas is the same in that some people, you need to know when to push. You need to know what client it is. You know, need to know when the tough love is. Yeah. But I don't think some people want the tough love in that they're not ready to deal with the underlying stuff. And that's fine, but there's never going to be a perfect time. Action and perfect time go side by side action is a huge element of what people don't do action is a thing that people are afraid of because they're like i'm going to fail because you're basing on past results but you're going to fail in silence by not doing anything yeah and that, that, there we go like you were talking about abundance you know in order for abundance to occur you need to have a foundation you need to have a position where you start and you start implementing to get to the uh, to the point of abundance you don't get abundance from day one you don't get abundance from out of midair it comes of a systematic attention consistency through time, which you spoke on the last Coach's Corner um, on the compound effect. And that's how abundance occurs in your in your life. And it's like, this is what we have to realize. It's like uh, everything that we are created from is a consistency to creation. Everything that we learn from is uh, from an aspect of we've learned from failure. We've brought everything from the environment in and carried on. So it's like when these aspects of what you want to change, it's the same thing that applied to that got you there is the same thing that's pretty much usually going to get you out of that position. I think when the question kind of comes in of when will I see results, it's... It's a very tricky one to, like, I, there's no definitives and we can't give definitives. Will this work for me is another one that can kind of come in as well. Yeah. But will you work for you is a way to rephrase it back. Because I think a lot of people are expecting, and I'm not saying that we're all like, oh, you have to go keto or you have to cut out carbs or you have to go hammer yourself into the coaching. That's not what we do. That's not what we promote. But if you're not willing to show up for you, the results probably won't happen. 
Yeah. If you're not willing to show up for you the majority of the time, the results probably won't happen. And then the blame thing comes back in when things don't go right. There will be the whole thing of humanity, kindness, mindfulness of being able to say to yourself, right, maybe this isn't the time for me to do this. Maybe this isn't the time or the right approach or coach. Shop around. But if someone's saying to yourself, I can guarantee you results in six weeks, they're an asshat. If I can, if you can say, if someone says to you, I can guarantee you results, and then after about six weeks of finishing up and they haven't given you an approach of a kind of like a, an exit strategy or a dieting strategy or coming back up to maintenance or whatever it may be, it's important to get that aspect. Ask questions. Ask what you want or what set your expectations. Ask the coach questions of what, what are you expecting from me? What yep. do you want from me? Um, but I, the, the, the important is look at the questionnaire that the, the coach has, the questions that they're asking, or are they just trying to sell you a quick book? Hmm. Like there are different elements of like what we do the coaching calls at the beginning is our calls may be a little bit longer than most coaches, but we have to understand from a psychological point of view and is the person in the position right now to want to change certain elements? If they're ready to change certain elements or they want, emphasis on want to change certain elements, well, then we can 100% lead you in a direction you want to go. Will we guarantee you results? No. Because if I put a, if I signed up everyone that's in Team Master Life right now on a guarantee, it, it just wouldn't work because it could take longer than other some people. And I think that's when the comparison thing kind of comes in as well especially when I put up like messages and say, right, this person's dropped three dress sizes or put up the client transformations. People don't understand what that person's been through to get there. That's why I don't put up, this is 12 weeks, this is two years. Like the perfect one is Eilish. Mm. We were talking about Eilish yesterday. Eilish is going to listen to this and share ears will break up. Uh, Eilish has been with me for quite a while and Eilish is on the podcast. And the progress pictures that she sent from when I first started to now, we've got, we, we've created a beast. We've created like a monster. And she always says it. The monster is back. That's how she phrases it. Beyonce is back. Um, <laughs> but I think she's created an element of what works for her. What yeah. has, like she was a former athlete. She's brought in elements of that to our training, but we've had to tweak that. I know that was one of the things that you were working with her for a couple of weeks to slow down the tempo. Mm -hmm. So what she had already tweaked that. It was bringing it back in like our priority is being a mom um, and a partner. And it's like, right, we bring in elements of that and work around that. And it's about understanding when to know when to push that you'll be at points where you'll be more in the zone. And that's when we push knowing also that we may need to tweak, tweak things back a little bit more and understanding that yep. the results will happen over time consists it's like it's like the whole like you don't get a mortgage you don't well you may be able to if you can't sweet uh if you uh you don't get a mortgage on your first paycheck you don't get a mortgage on your second paycheck but yeah we're expecting to to transform our lives in two, two weeks three weeks four weeks yep. why is it when it's weight loss or fitness that we put these unrealistic expectations on ourselves put the pressure on ourselves build it up build it up build it up and then we throw the toys out of the pram 
when it doesn't go right. You have to look at it from an overall health perspective. A mental health perspective comes under that umbrella. But by you expecting yourself to, and putting yourself under the pressure, thinking about things and driving yourself and saying what the whole element of it, you have to say these concerns to the coach. You have to say these concerns to yourself and write, am I creating this problem? Or is this an actual thing that I need to address right now? I don't think there's a one, like we can't give a definitive, like I think one of the clients said, like you can make a drinking game out of the amount of times as we say, it depends. And then it comes back to that. But if you're setting expectations, saying to the client, realistically, understanding why you want to do this, how are you going to cope with the times that you don't get there? What have you tried before? Why wasn't the reason you got there? And if blame is in their element or in that, Kind of, I know that's what you brought those into the questions into the questionnaire yesterday. Um, so blame Dallas for the length of the questionnaire is what I'm trying to say. Um, um, but I think it's 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 a big thing, and I don't think people want to do or build things brick by brick. They just want the full picture without doing the work. Unfortunately, that's how humans work and. I can't see it changing anytime soon, but I think you're going to set yourself up for failure. The compassion thing needs to be brought back in. Yep. I think there's a, it's a full circle of an episode with everything that's being brought in. And is there anything else that you want to add in towards what we've kind of spoken about? Are you all right? No, like I, I think the one thing is just remember that your intrinsic motivation, so your actual yeah. ability to want to do something and see the change and how you see and perceive the world is going to be the massive aspect in what not only you can achieve, but the success you can get from life. And it's a lot of people don't want to recognize these aspects. It's like when you can understand why certain aspects failed in the past, and you can go, right, this was a reason. This is what I didn't do. There was always going to be some aspects from external forces, always. But if you can actually understand what you did, the steps you took to that, that means that when you are willing to make that change, you'll be able to create that change for success. And that's it. The reason why I think kind of definitely comes back in and it has been intrinsic thing because intrinsic is going to cut what's going to get you to go for a walk in the rain. Intrinsic is going to get you out of bed in the morning. But if you're blaming external factors or if you're looking for external things to get you to where you want to go and you're doing it for external gratification and comments and all that kind of stuff, that ain't going to get you to where you want to go. And I think you have to look internal, the compassion, the kindness, the mindfulness towards yourself and addressing. Like it's not going to be comfortable. It's not going to be easy. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna paint here a picture of saying that we don't have these dates as well of when we're doing stuff, especially when trying to build muscle. It's not easy. Um, and right now, I'm still recovering from surgery. I can't train. I haven't trained in nearly a month. I'm falling asleep after half an hour walk in the morning. Like it's one of those things that I I know that I just can't do what I wanted to do. But I have to also say, right, this is the chapter that I have to take some message from that I have to understand that this is a stage where I can focus on other things. And this could be the, the, the time for me to spend a little bit more time learning. Mm-hmm. This could be a little bit more time for me to be doing journaling. This could be a little bit more time for friends, family walks, whatever it may be. But 
it's knowing when to go but like i think if i i don't even know how long this episode is um but i think like bloating advice for tracking self-compassion dealing with question when i see results is there's so much there and i would probably advise kind of listen back to us if you find something useful to us please continue to write comments up on itunes please continue to share it tag us in it tag both of us in it it'd be great to to kind of get um the the podcast will continue to do them if you have topics dm us uh we have so many more topics in our head i don't think we'll ever run out of topics well, I said famous last words, um, but I don't think we will for quite a while because I'm sending Dallas over an email once a week with the amount of stuff that's coming in, and we will have we will have Jane on board. There's a new, there's a new coach coming in, um, so that's being announced on the 11th of the third, uh, so we'll be announced by now. And Jane is going to be doing some stuff, and she'll be bringing in the female perspective side of things and bringing another element of it. She'll be doing them intermittently um, due to schedule and stuff. But Dallas and I will continue to do these as much as you guys are giving us the the uh, as much as you guys are enjoying them. So Dallas, thank you very much for your time as always. More than welcome. I hope uh, my rants aren't getting crazier. <laughs> I've, I've lost the plot I think I lost the plot a while ago um, but I think someone I was when I was talking to someone earlier they're like Dallas is really chill really chill and then he goes rant and I was like whoa I never thought of that but it makes sense uh, but guys if you've enjoyed the episode please do give it the love do share it um, more shares more likes all that kind of stuff uh, one it's a vanity metric two we can continue to get more guests on and more content the more people know about this the more people can change hopefully change the the, the headspace the, mi- the mindset around things but um yeah guys hope you enjoyed the episode